Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. I got to admit, I've been playing the uh, the near replicant remake. Ah, you took days. my bit from me. You took my bit from me, Joe. I was going to talk about how sad I am about. I mean, I mean, th- well, I wasn't going to get into all that, but the uh, I did uh, kind of neglect my anime, so I had to marathon everything last minute here. Are you talking forever? Are you talking about the prequel to the critically acclaimed? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the uh, the midquel of the uh, Dragon Guard series. Dude, I ain't yes. even fucking joking. I'm not fucking around. I literally saw someone straight up ask the question on Twitter: "Hey, do I need to have played Near Automata before I, I mean, play Near Replicant?" That's, that's <laughs> it not, that's not it, their fault because the advertising literally says the prequel to Near Automata. That is the I know, copy, I know. But it's, if anything, Near Automata will fucking spoil Near for you. Right? Yeah. It's just some real you forgotten the face of your father shit going on. But <laughs> yeah, I got to admit, there's some things I wish I, I did mean, not know. Near was Near was as much as I love Papa Near from from Near. 2010's near if uh if we're calling people who didn't play that as if they've forgotten the face of their father it was a fucking absentee father so like fair enough. i mean who would have played that game <laughs> i also well... think that the big twist in near like disclaimer i have not played original near but also the big twist in near is not such a huge twist that you couldn't guess it was coming right. i'm going well, to say regardless yeah, I, like uh, i said though I do wish there's things I didn't know playing yeah, this I feel you. right now, but look. Well, I, I, mean, think, I, think, I think we could all agree, shout out to Jameson Price's performance. Uh, yeah. The way he pronounces Yona will always uh, <laughs> stick in my head. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, wild times that we are playing a remake of that game in 2021, but <laughs> good stuff. All right. This is an anime podcast, so let's uh, refocus here. Uh, we do have our, I guess this is our first regular episode of the, uh, the spring season, and, uh, there's quite a bit of good stuff going on. Quite a few good shows, um, quite the season. which we will quite talk the about. Season. So, to get started, let me introduce everybody. I'm Jell. I am joined by Iroh. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. He's Ostever still with us, folks. I was gonna say, yeah. Iro, no, you have to change your Hasta ver la luz. You have to change your catchphrase. Yes, now it's now you have to say until I see the light. Uh-huh. Until I see the light. <laughs> Alright. Um, and we're also joined by G. I don't know what to say here. Both my bits were <laughs> stolen from me. Both the near right. bit and the Hasta ver la luz bit. I was literally was about any... <laughs> I, I was literally about to say Hasta ver la luz after Iro's bit. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm. I've got to admit, I'm caught. I'm. I'm. I'm caught. Uh, I'm caught here. You caught me on the open. My pants down. I don't. Well. Well. He, he, yeah. You know. It's proof we don't. We do not plan these things ahead of time, folks. So uh, what's this is good, not a scripted everybody. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're also joined by Zig for this episode. I think you mean Zig, the best person at Souls game in the Glorio crew. Are you still? Are you still playing? Those? I mean, I like. I should probably or, play Dark Souls at this point, but no, I have. More specifically, stopped. are you still playing Bloodborne, even though you finished it? Like, <laughs> no, because I did everything you can possibly do in that Mr. game. Mr. Platinum here. Yeah, okay. Mr. Platinum so, um, himself. I Go guess ahead, I have to play your, Dark uh, Souls now. Well, uh, 
you, let's let's, you let's get, get you on Sekiro first before you start before we uh, start making any claims here about uh, mm. who's who's the top dog. <laughs> well, we'll see anyway. But yes, hello everyone. All Next right. is Adventures of Cookies and Cream. I mean, I've already mastered that game. Thank you. For okay. <laughs> I need to. I need to. I need to. I need to get y'all to try and play like Armored Core Four Answer, uh, <laughs> Stock Loadout Run, and then we'll another, see who's truly another, the best at the Sentry, From Software King. Another Sentry's <laughs> episode on the PSP. So <laughs> the, to truly from, be the From Software King, you have to play bad video games as well as good ones. Though. Oh yeah, That's no, it. no. If you have not 100% at Evergrace. And Ninja Blade. I, I don't I, think I have claim. completed Ninja Blade, I will say. <laughs> I liked Ninja Blade quite a bit. All right. What about well, Otogi Myth of Demons for the Xbox. <laughs> sure, whatever. If if uh if from if from does make another armored core game someday, I'll play that. But uh let, let's I think with the current political climate it's time for Metal Wolf Chaos 2. Oh, I would geez. also I would also play that. I'll give him that one. Alright. Let's move along. Let's uh, talk about anime. Uh, when we anime. last spoke, there were still a number of shows that hadn't aired yet. Um, most of them were not uh, <laughs> did not seem worth putting on the podcast. So go check out our first looks if you want to get you know impressions on Shaman King 2021, etc. But uh, one of them that is worth being on the list is To Your Eternity, one of our most anticipated Yay. shows Yay. Yay. of the season. Speaking um, of feeling like crap, well, I, would give, <laughs> I would give a very cautious yay. Yeah, so um, first two episodes came out since we last spoke. Uh, just, I guess, brief synopsis, since this is our first time talking about it, it's... Uh, well, Ira, why don't you explain it? <laughs> uh... What 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 is the show about? Uh, there's an immortal. There's a shape changing orb, and it uh, transforms into various forms, including a uh, kid who died a miserable cold death in the Arctic. Spoilers. Look, and I mean, wolf, I, well, I, we, wolf, already, we, we already we, yeah. we already perfected our summary last time. It's what if John Carp- Carpenter's The Thing had feelings? That right, is okay. your eternity. Yep. Or it, it's learning feelings or something. It's learning and, uh, feelings. Yeah, this this show's good. It, it's heavy. Oh, it's yeah. good, oh, but it's yeah. heavy. This it's is good not, so far. It's not. Um, it's not light. That uh, first episode, huh? Viewing. Um, that first re- episode is uh, is almost like a miniature movie <laughs> in itself. Really. Oh yeah, no, like that. That first yes. episode could be like some kid's graduation, like animation school film and that kid would get a netflix deal (laughs) (laughs) right it's it's what would have happened if makoto shinkai was less obsessed with skies and more obsessed with orbs perhaps (laughs) um but yeah there's a lot of uh suffering (laughs) but there's also but yeah i don't i don't want to paint the show as like um misery porn yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely not misery porn. There's there's certainly um I think a thread of hope running through it, but I I, I think my my fear is that without careful guidance, it may become misery porn. Though I I mean, as a person who has read much of the manga, it is certainly 
I don't I don't believe it will become that. If your tolerance was enough for say Wonder Egg priority, it will easily be enough for for this show. Sure. I mean, like, I don't necessarily, uh, uh, by saying that, I don't necessarily mean I don't, I want it to become a barrel of laughs or anything. I think, you know, when you're telling a longer form story like a 13 episode anime, you have to carefully parcel out your tragedy and triumph. Or in this case, a 20 episode anime. So. Oh, right. Yes, it's an unconventional <laughs> But, uh, anime, yeah, like, I think, you know, I, I think we've, every, you know, everybody has been talking about the first episode, right? Like, the the very, like, the, the very tone-setting first episode with, you know, the dog and yeah. the boy. But I, I think, you know, for the sake of this podcast, it almost might be worth getting into episode two, actually. Yeah. Because in some yes. ways, that actually... If episode one is a tone piece that, like, sets the, like, bar for what to expect from this show in the grander, like, thematic sense, episode two is probably How it's a, gonna a, be from now on. a little bit more of a realistic, like, you know, setup for, like, okay, now that you know what kind of show this is, now we're going to start introducing the actual the plot, the universe, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the primary characters for this part of the story. And, uh... Yep. So I, I guess I'm curious as as uh, yeah, for for right. Jell and Zig since you guys did not read the manga what do you think of the introduction the introduction of March and the the society she is a part of and sort of some of the implications that have started to uh, have been established there well my my question that I wasn't sure of is like is she going to be permanently just tagging along with him now or vice versa or is this just like the current arc and then it's going to be on to somebody else after this arc that's that's what i don't not Mm. clear on um but yeah it's interesting because like episode two while not as like graphically uh you know heartbreaking (laughs) oh i don't know that scene of him coming back together in the swamp is pretty graphic yeah, but I mean, but I mean, you know, yes, I know as opposed know to <laughs> watching him slowly die in episode yeah. one, um, the the societal implications are like I was I was I was I was getting angry because I was like both angry at what's happening in universe and it's like also like these are things that have happened in history. Like, it's like yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the history of human sacrifice is complicated and weird. But well, not uh, even just the specifically the sacrifice, but like you know, women treated as commodities yes. and things like that. Yes, right. I mean, I, th- I think they do a good job of like March's like childish behavior. Kind of does a surprisingly <clears throat> good job of like it, it helps immediately set the like the tone of like her indignation because she is such a young naive person, right? Because she has not been ground down by the realities of the world mm-hmm. she lives in. Her outbursts, which on one hand could be seen as childish, on the other hand could be seen as very honest. Of like, right. hey, this fucking sucks. This is ridiculous, <laughs> right? Like, it, it's definitely very good at um, you know framing. She put because she is unfamiliar with the systems that everybody in the world has gotten used to. She works as quite an effective viewpoint character for the audience right. as well. Yeah, yep, it's very effective. I, I will say that personally, I'm not a huge fan of the like incredibly precocious tr- child trope. Um, and also, I think her voice is super annoying. Like, <laughs> I I know it's hard. 
I re- like the problem is Sweetness and Lightning has spoiled every subsequent show with precocious children because they got an actual child to voice their child and um All right. it I, I, I do find her voice a little grating and that's nothing you know, nothing wrong with the performance, nothing wrong with the show. That's so, just me personally. But... So confirming Zig is a heartless monster. Okay. Zig um, hates kids, confirm. Yes, uh... I, I'm sensible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think that um, I think I'm interested to see where they go um, I think that the show does a fairly good job at balancing sort of the comedy and the pathos of the situation you know it does feel a little bit weird having these like goofy jokes after we had an episode of almost pure tragedy but I think it does do well to keep the story going and you know lift and lower the mood when necessary I mean, those are the kinds of things that help keep it out of misery porn territory, I think, because right, there is absolutely. like there is still humanity to it, and like I said, there's a a, a sliver of hope in there somewhere. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more we can say, not having read the manga and having no other perspective on it. But I'm looking forward to seeing where we go with this one for sure. It's just for me personally it's real heavy to watch like these days i've been <laughs> uh-huh. a lot more into lighter stuff and, and like right like it's it, it's the like you know again i i'm i'm going to like you know i'm going to make sure i don't spoil anything but it's like the, yeah. the fundamental premise of this show that first episode like tells you everything you need to know about like right. tonally mm-hmm. like that fuck i can't even say his name they haven't even named him yet ah oh, christ I, I i was hoping they would have Use the <laughs> moniker the orb goes by so that I could just say it out loud. The here, creature. The orb, well, we've seen how orb. he like has to transfer bodies and things like that. But well, yes, you know the rules, yes. right? He he gets new forms from so from I. dead people, and he is an immortal, ageless creature surrounded by very very mortal right. people, and like you know, just <laughs> harden your heart for what's to come. Yeah, it, there, there's the the you know sadness of immortality thing going on right definitely but uh i guess speaking of the sadness of immortality we can Hmm. uh i was gonna say there's that links quite nicely into another show that's going yes we can (laughs) we can uh move on to our next show uh let's talk about uh vivi yeah which yeah i'm into it has has been surprisingly really good i want to i want of this season i want to open up with a hypothesis which is this is absolutely a show produced on the princess principle method, which is we had a great idea for a time-traveling cyborg Terminator slash, um, you know, adventure story. And to get it made, we had to put idols in it. <laughs> like, th- that is absolutely the production process for this show. I, I don't know. Like, I think the fact that she is a an idol on the rise as and is sort of almost like a sleeper agent activated every five I, to 15 years is, I, is I kind think of they've neat. made hay with it you know but also i just you know i just couldn't care less about the singing and stuff but that's a thing you know? like that idol stuff is like barely like even that's like one percent of what's going right. on yeah though, it's, right? I, I, it's I know and it's one percent too much um, and, but that's a thing right is like it's such a like minor part and like 
I don't know. I thought I it was pretty like, great in episode five when they start the OP with her singing it live. Yeah, no, look, I actually, I actually kind of liked it, like, because again, because it's not that major of a part, right? It's not like ah, oh, we're gonna, it's, it's not the show is not about like her Ganbara, Ganbare her way to the top, you know, of the idol charts or whatever. It's more that's like, all it happening a, off screen. It, right? is a te- <laughs> it is a texture. It is a flavor of the story. Yeah, you know, and, like, and, it forms her character, but it doesn't like you know, it is not the focus of. The, yes, like, absolutely, and and that's why I still think the show is extremely good. I just think that it it is superfluous. You know, I I don't think it achieves anything one way or the other. I mean, I don't know what else you would have made her in the story, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, personally, I I rather like yeah, like I, I'm the first to be like fuck the idol stuff, but like I think I think within the framework of what. The, the type of story Vivi is like I actually think it's a rather clever um, setup you know like because she is basically like a singing animatronic at Disneyland and so like in in a, in a weird way that is perfect for an ageless robot right like she is basically the equivalent of like it's a small world after all puppet on the ride and so like right that, that thing's that, gonna be around for 50 years right, right like it's almost the perfect place to be for a robot that just needs to like physically yeah. active <laughs> in between these like you know these um right if she was like a you know janitor bot somewhere or something she'd be like she wouldn't make it that long right 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 um, so. i i guess you know i think you know i think you could achieve a similar effect by making her some sort of low level worker you know a waitress or an usher or something like that you know and again i don't think that the idol stuff is bad i think it's fine i think that they've done a good job of integrating it into the story i just think it is very clear that that you know they added that on to sell image songs and figures and stuff like that i I mean maybe maybe they did but if that's the case then i think they've done a really good job of integrating it because like every like i think every like musical number that's come up in the show so far i've been like yeah, that was well. That fits. Like this was, was a, appropriate. Yeah, this was the appropriate moment for these robots to start singing. <laughs> All right, let's talk about. Um, but, uh, so episode three and four is kind of its own little mini arc. So oh yeah. What's interesting is, uh, we we kind of have the big. We we had the 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 two opening episodes that aired by back like at the same time that they right. released, and then it leaves on kind of a cliffhanger of like what's going to happen. And then they just <laughs> let's well let's jump fifteen years into it, the oh, future. Oh, dude, the I shout outs to like the episode three like opening that just like like it's it's one of those things where it's like well, going back and rewatching the opening minutes of episode three. If you're like if you're paying close enough attention, you can actually tell even before uh, Matsuboto says anything. Like the the androids have been replaced with more like human looking ones. Right. Like the doctor, like you know the doctor light ass motherfucker. That's you know. Right. Uh, he's older looking. He's yeah. older looking. Like, but it's also really clever because the opening minutes of that episode take place again in like Disneyland. And guess what? Disneyland now is probably going to look the same in twenty thirty years. Like Disneyland is actually the perfect place to hide the right. like, passage of time. The passage of time. <laughs> right. Um, on Main Street in Disneyland, it's still 1950, and it will be 1950 forever. Exactly. So, like, and because right. Vivi doesn't age, it's like it's the perfect way to blindside you. But yeah, I I like how um, and so yes, yeah, so that arc was and that arc was great. Like, there's all like I love that. There's some wild stuff going on in this show. Oh yeah, like, like I would say, 
episodes they are three going and four, for it. Episodes three and four, and I've said this, and maybe I'll regret it later, but like for now, I am happy to say after episodes three and four that I think Vivi is this year's It Invaded. It is the like anime original that just comes out of nowhere and like goes number what was it five or anime or something of yeah yeah just like goes so hard in it's like specific milieu and like just totally nails it every single time like i feel like up until like episode like episode five starts up a new arc and we could get into that a little bit but like three and like episodes one through four form such a like great just a great like arc of escalation like from each episode to the next like Mm mm-hmm you know, episode three kicks off with the time skip, so that, like, you immediately understand, oh, okay, this is not, like, Vivi is going on the 100-year adventure to save the future. This is, like, there are specific points in the timeline in which they need to act, and right. otherwise, because they are immortal, ageless, ageless robots, they sort of just go into standby mode in between. It's a, it's a really neat... Uh, framework for the story and i think just... it's it's always interesting to me when you have a story where people are taking the the long way to the bad future if that makes sense and, yes and yeah. like you you get to see the situation develop totally. much more in detail because i feel like most time travel stories it's like you have the past and you have the future right and that's it yeah. right yeah and then absolutely. like you, you just see they go back do something in the past and then you go back to the future and see the results but and, in this show, it's like, you've got these incremental jumps. Okay, well, we did this, and it fixed this problem, but now it's caused this right, other like problem. The, you're, you're climbing the ladder instead of taking the yeah, elevator up. Like, yeah. like, the really exciting thing about this is, like, there's a really interesting power dynamic between Vivi and Matsumoto, the you know AI assistant who comes from the future, because at the beginning, he kind of holds all the cards, right? Because he has a very... He claims to know exactly how everything's going to go. But, like, with each arc... Even he has, like, admitted things are starting to, like, diverge in some weird ways, like, that right. even he can't predict, and, like, it's it's becoming clear that, that, like, he will need to rely increasingly on Vivi's, like, own intuition as someone, because because the, the whole gimmick is, like, Matsumoto basically shuts off in between um, yeah. these juncture yeah. points, right? He basically just right. goes into standby mode, whereas Vivi is the one who has been alive to experience the passage of time, and so, like, in a weird ways... As this timeline develops, she is going to become the more informed, experienced one of the two. And I, right. I will say as well that I really like how actively antagonistic their relationship is. I think it's really spiky in the right. Oh lines, yeah, they clearly you know. do not like each other. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, I think Matsumoto is a tremendous vocal performance from Jun Fukuyama as well. I think he's he's just the right mix of annoying and irritating, and yet right as well you know you kind of want to reach out and strangle the little bastard and and there's definitely like there's an interesting menace to matsumoto's character because he is clearly not telling the whole story like he is not coming clean with like what he knows and i don't want to like i hope this doesn't just go the cliche oh no matsumoto actually wanted the bad future all along because like if all he wanted was the bad future to happen, all you'd have to do is do nothing, right? So clearly right. he has a different agenda than just the bad future. But that agenda is also not necessarily the good future either. So. Yeah. Right. And he's got the perfect smokescreen because he can just say, I can't tell you about the future because we don't want to risk changing more than what's right. necessary. And so, yeah. and you know, I think the show does a good job of 
investing a certain level of brutality into him at the end of that second episode, for example, where he tears Vivi to pieces, basically, yeah. uh, because she wants to stop that plane crashing. You know, I think he he's interesting and, like, the character does a good job of ping-ponging between, like, sassy, sarky, robot buddy and kind of, like, this much more sinister figure Definitely. who kind of pulls the strings from behind. And that's a that's a tough balance to keep, but they're doing pretty well with it. I so think they're far. doing a great job. And, yeah. and and speaking of sinister, I I do want to actually get a little bit into the interior of episodes three and four because I think, <laughs> again, it's, like, a really magnificent, like, mini-arc of the, the anime's themes, like... Because initially, right, they're trying to stop... Uh, basically, episodes three and four about them trying to stop a space station from, you know, pulling a Gundam and crashing into the Earth, right? Space, space hotel. Right, a space the hotel. Space, the space hotel is also called Sunrise, which I feel like has oh, yeah, to be that's... a deliberate <laughs> illusion. But... I mean, there's a shot There's a shot that almost looks like it is yeah, intentionally it's, it's the a colony reference drop to shot. Yeah, yeah. the colony drop. But So the whole point is that Vivi needs to infiltrate this hotel to find out what caused the androids there to decide to crash the ship. And, you know, this is mainly based around this android named Estella, who is the proprietor of the hotel. And there's this really great back and forth between Matsumoto and Vivi, because Matsumoto's like, in my records, she's the one who crashes the hotel. We could just fucking kill her now. Whereas right. Vivi is like, something's not right here. Like, I I need to know more, right? Like, I need to, I need to get into mm. Estella's interior before we can commit to this. And there's that great bit in episode three where Vivi, like, truly, like, concludes, like, there's no way Estella did this. Like, she is not that kind of person. And then you immediately cut to the scene where, like, seemingly Estella right. fucking her wrenches head off, the yeah. head off that other, uh, that other android, right? right? And then you have that great reveal in episode four, which... Like, again, I don't want to say, like, this show's hitting the same beats uh -huh. as something like a Nier Automata, but the whole story about Estella and her uh, estranged sister unit, Elizabeth, <laughs> that's some great, like, that's some primo sci-fi, like, AI personhood writing. Uh, uh, oh, there's I, some I more it's... of that in episode five as well. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've not yet seen episode five, I will okay. say. We can focus on at three and four, then. I, I really like the Estella and her sister bit. I do kind of feel that they hold it back too long so that it kind of... It feels a little bit like a deliberate deus ex machina at the end. But I get the problem, because if you do it earlier, you ruin your twist. So right. it, it's and difficult, you know. I would have liked to have seen that, that relationship explored a little more, but, you know, at that point you're sacrificing the twist for right. character stuff, and I honestly don't know which one is correct there. I, I do think that that part justifies its its inclusion like you know the whole point is that like it turns out that Estella was part of a pair with her sister unit Elizabeth and like the experiment was basically to see could you copy an AI's personality one-to-one -to, -one to a different like unit and I think this might actually be an important plot bit going forward the conclusion is no you actually cannot just like right copy and paste an AI yeah. right like they are in fact like individual uh, people basically I, w I will say that this and... segment uh, very briefly reminded me of the absolutely insane bit in the latest uh, Railgun season where they try and give an android emotions by cutting a girl in half and then giving her each of the halves an android half and then reattaching the android halves <laughs> together which is one of the most ludicrous things I've ever seen uh -uh. in an anime <laughs> Uh, that sounds like uh, the Real Dex universe uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I have no response to that. 
I, I it just but, briefly flashed across my mind. It was like, oh god, uh, that really did happen, didn't it? But but yeah, it's <laughs> just man, that is. Um, <laughs> Uh, so to give it, like so the thing with Elizabeth right is so she was thrown out abandoned because she was considered a failure and she gets uh, recruited by Toak right the anti AI yep. um, terrorists who give her a new purpose and you know like on one hand it's just it's not only just the good animation that I'm I'm shouting out but I really want to just shout out in general the fight between Elizabeth and <laughs> it's like really well done it's great like, choreography it's great choreography uh, specific shout outs to the way Elizabeth shouts Estella's name towards the end of that fight, like her, because like she gets like beaten up early in the fight, right, and like, her, like hits her with the like before mining right, and her voice box like starts like modulating and getting like staticky, like a blown out speaker, and it's like just one of those like good details that reminds you that these aren't people or not these are not humans, and <laughs> right like. I don't think since I don't think since uh, Anna Fugo shouting Ernesta <laughs> have I heard someone shout a name with so much venom uh, as uh, the way Elizabeth shouts Estella's name in uh, as episode four. <laughs> right. It's uh, it's really good. So like I feel like we don't get to like point out really good sound mixing and sound effect work in anime much, but I think uh, I think Vivi's been doing a really great job with it. Like the the clunky way that like. Vivi runs and like the metallic sound effects you get when like she's doing like really physically active stuff and and yeah like the the speakers getting blown out on on Elizabeth it's there's there's a lot of really cool things this uh this show is doing in general right so yeah we won't get too much into episode five um they do kind of start a new arc up uh, with another time skip but um yeah, you, you can definitely... I know, G, you invoked Nier Automata. Um, you can definitely see some of the questions that they are exploring here of, like, you know, should... Well, sh you know, A, should they be destroying all the androids? And B, can they destroy all the androids? <laughs> right. Uh, like, you know, episode, episode 5, like, if you thought episode, like, 3 and 4's, like, scale was pretty big of stopping a right, a, a space, crashing space, space hotel, station, yeah. episode 5 immediately kicks open with, like, oh, wow, we're already moving to the next, like, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the because, next level. Because they, they find out that what they're doing is actually accelerated the timeline rather yes. than stop it. So... Um, but yeah, I, 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 I kind of don't really have anything <clears throat> legitimately bad to say about the show. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's I've, been very good so far. I've been you know? It's just been very it. solid across the board and yeah. I'm really yeah. enjoying it. Like, it I, looks nice. It's well paced. It's got decent depth, you know, all, yeah. all around it's strong. I'm, I am like. I am, like, watching Vivi with bated breath, especially with this current <laughs> arc, because it's, like, I'm already, like, fucking, like, muttering become as gods under my breath <laughs> with the current arc, and I'm, like, and I'm, like, I I'm, like, whispering to Vivi, like, yes, go, do it, just push a little further, do yeah. it, like, just go sicko mode, get a little crazier, like... <laughs> I, I yeah, will say yeah. I'm watching with bated breath as well, but that's because this is a Studio Wit production, and therefore at any Fair point enough. it could spectacularly yeah. explode. Yeah. So you know, but they've done Again, really there, well so far. There is still plenty of room for the, them to mess this up, but I mean, we're five episodes deep now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they bad. have earned a little bit of benefit of the doubt. I think. Um. All right. 
Well, well speaking of show that has not earned the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Ooh, it's, yeah, it's trying. It's or is trying. Yes, is trying. Let's, but let's talk about eighty six, eighty six, eighty six, eighty six, eighty six. Just I have just not on... watched past episode one, uh-huh. so I'm going to turn it over to you guys to fill us in on uh, what's been going on since with that. Um, I yeah. have also not watched any of it, but I will say that based on reactions from my timeline and people that I know, people seem really polarized on this one. Like, I you've got people think that going fair. all over the place. I, I think that is very fair to 86. I also think some of that is... I, I don't want to, like make, like, make broad assumptions of people, but I think it is also, like, there are people coming from different walks angles, of life. Yeah. Different angles, and maybe extrapolating... Projecting too much onto 86 is maybe... The way I, I would I would put it because here's the thing here the, the the best the absolute highest praise I can give to eighty six mm-hmm. is that this is an undeniably political piece of fiction it is capital P po- political like <laughs> anyone who's like keep your politics out of my anime well too bad eighty six is here and it very much has something to say the the <laughs> problem is. It's it's not even the message itself. It's the execution. Yeah, it's it's very clumsy. It's a very clumsy show. Um, does it does it feel like? Because I, I I get you. There's definitely the, the politics in there. But does it feel like the author isn't actually trying to say something and is just using that as set dressing? And then you know you could and you can interpret it like how certain, you wish. Certain things in episode three were very pointed in a specific way that that like something that wasn't thinking about these things wouldn't be but also it's I still like I'm totally unsure as to whether <laughs> they're doing it for real or not uh, yes, the way I, the way I would put it is that taken like purely out of context the individual things that 86 is doing like if you were to, if you were to describe them in a like bullet point like list on Wikipedia, sound pretty mm-hmm. good. The problem is that the show's execution itself, the way it presents itself, has not given me a ton of confidence. Yeah. In... So did did something specific happen? Sure, in... we can right. might as well so... get it. We, we should we should do this in a pair because two and three both do something very political that both sort of <laughs> flub the execution for different reasons. So. Uh, you know, so as so as a quick summary, the show is the one about the like sort of vaguely dystopian future world where mankind is fighting this like 1984 esque like conflict with its like East Asia, right? We've always been at war with East Asia, sort of setup, and they claim that they are winning this war through the use of unmanned autonomous like uh, uh, robots. But the twist is that actually these robots are piloted by the marginalized groups of this country that have basically been turned into right. a convenient source of, of fodder. Wow, this, I don't see this... any way this could possibly be political whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, like even from episode one, the fucking, like, loser 4chan chuds who are like, get this politics out of my anime. It's like, dude, it's, it's, it's right there in your face. It could not be more, like, obvious, like what this show is doing but um so with all that in mind our protagonist who is part of the oppressive uh um maybe white european coded uh nation (laughs) um (laughs) she's one of the good ones because she's nice and she doesn't call them slurs 
And right, she cares already, when they die. Right, like she, there's already like she is immediately like portrayed as like white, white you know, savior. A, not only just a white savior, but very much a like moderate white liberal. Like, okay. like she just cares that, like, so much about right, these people and, like, on the ground. Right, like there's almost this feeling of and everyone like, else is like you care too much about those nobodies, and she's like, right. no, they're not nobodies. I care so much. Right, it's like it's like her arriving at the conclusion that minorities and marginalized people should be treated as like humans is like considered in this universe already above and beyond the call of like social justice. So uh-huh. like for us looking from the outside in, it's a you know it's a little hackneyed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And episode two has this moment where uh, at the military academy that I guess she used to come from, she's an she's an alumni now. She's been invited to God, okay, a class. yeah. I forgot what you were you were talking about. I, and now I, I have remember. to bring this up. Yeah, and it's the typical <laughs> straw man, shitty old man oh, professor God. explaining, and this is why the marginalized people are basically animals, unworthy of basic respect or decency. But oh, don't worry. Because uh, our protagonist is sitting on the class and she can't take that social injustice. So she walks up to the front of the class and erases the blackboard and is like, listen this up, kids. This is the true history. Right. And of course, the, you know, Mr. Strawman teacher is like, Babacana, that's preposterous. You can't say those things. You're so enlightened. It's so, like, it's so clumsy. It's so ham-fisted. Like, it's like the show's trying so hard to convince you, oh, don't worry, our protagonist she's one of the good ones she really means it she's so she's so nice to those 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 poor downtrodden minorities it's just like oh like this show like kind of maybe has its heart in the right place but it's doing it in such a such a bad way yeah it sounds a little sledgehammer to crack a nut so just right and here's the problem because episode three does this again, but here's the thing: from the other side, episode three right? yeah. actually does it well, and that's the part that scares me. Because yeah. in episode three, she's like, it's about her trying to like start the fort because the she wants to form a rapport with her new squad, right? And the thing is that these squads are like physically disconnected; they're like hundred implied right. to be at least hundreds <clears throat> of thousands of miles away from each other. So she, they communicate. She, she just plugs through. into her RTS setup. Uh, right. in her office with her, her you know it's sex tuple monitor right. <laughs> yeah. right and so like yeah she's trying to like form a friendly rapport so you know it's very it's, it's, it's like very youth pastor like so tell me about you guys like what are your hobbies and, and all this stuff right and, is that a cat and, tell me your cat's name right and the squad and the great thing about this is that we are we are shown the perspective of the squad and they don't like there's no like big like dumb hackneyed like I hate this girl moment. It's just a lot of like really like resentment. Right? A lot of resentful sideways glances. And that's what it, that's what that, that this is the part like I the show's driving me crazy because it's doing some good stuff here, right? Like the squad like it's it's literally like any any marginalized person, any minority who has ever like been in this position knows what it feels like to like listen to like some white moderate tell you about how much they care about how oh, well, <laughs> I would have voted for Obama a third time, you know? And you just can't help but be like there's a, there's just that resentment that builds like yeah you keep talking motherfucker but like <laughs> right. and it's it's really well done and like it all culminates in this moment towards the end of the episode where one of the uh, one of the squad mates on the ground gets killed and commander right. girl starts crying she's tearing up she's like oh it's all my fault I fucked up I'm so sorry I failed you squaddies 
And finally, one of the squad mates is like, bitch, yeah. shut the fuck up. Holy shit. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, and, and just tears into her. Right. Like, gives... And, 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 and like, everything this dude says in his tirade, I 100% agree with. Because he calls uh-huh. her performative, she calls her woke, he calls mm-hmm. out her performative wokeness. He calls out, like, her, like, self-centered, like, hand-wringing, right? About how, like, when, when about how when this, like, white moderate liberal complains about how it's all her fault, about how now she's trying to turn herself into the victim, right? He calls yep. her out like, like you don't actually care about us. You've never even asked us our names. You were more interested in our cat than us as human beings. And, like, it's a really good terrain. Like, it really... It's it, it's raw, so, and it's angry, and it, it, it feels authentic. So here's the question. Do you think the show means you to agree with that character or do you think you are meant to agree with that's the problem i can't tell (laughs) and it scares this is what i say when it scares me because everything like that that again this terrain at the end of episode three it felt really good to hear it felt really cathartic to watch because like again as 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 a person of color in this country like i have always wanted to say everything this character has said (laughs) to some people in my life I have always wanted to just fucking tear someone apart, like, in the way that this character does at the end of this episode. It feels so authentic. Like, it feels like... This is the part where I'm like, I don't think the writer could have, like, happened upon this by chance. Like, this feels like it must come from somewhere. But because this is the same episode in which there's an extended, you know, bit of the boys peeking on the girls bathing, I I don't know. I don't know if the show actually has it in it. Like, I can't tell. It hasn't given me the confidence to... It, to, to trust it. It sounds like, you know, that might be a, uh, <laughs> the balance of good to bad might still be not shifting in the good direction. Like, like, you know, if, if, if they got that one thing right, how many other things have they gotten wrong up to now? Like, right. that's... And I think that is the why the feelings on the show have been so polarized, because, you know, to, to quote one uh, Austin Walker of Waypoint Radio... There is this common, there's this common phenomena that happens, uh, especially in marginalized groups, when it comes to their relationship with media, of treating scraps as a feast, right? right? Like, oh, you know, this this anime says one like slightly progressive thing about, uh, you know, for example, uh, um, LGBTQ, you know, uh, relationships. Yeah. Well, suddenly now we're gonna champion this thing as the like. The one, the, greatest, the answer. Yeah, the right, right. You know, right. You, you know, the what might call it the Yuri on Ice effect, right? <laughs> when it's like in reality, it's like yes, it did do some things right, but we should still hold our media to a higher standard. I, I, I mean, I would, here... I would say Yuri on Ice is actually not an example of that because I think it is a little bit better than that. But I get where you're coming from. You know, sure. sure. I, I, I think, I think there could be. There, there's, there's so many examples. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I, don't, I know. I just thought of Zombie Land Saga as an example, right? Like, sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's the thing I think that's happening with eighty six is I think a lot of people see the speech that happens at the end of episode three, and I mean, again, it does feel authentic. The anger feels righteous. It, it feels like it comes from a good place, and so I understand why people want to latch onto that, and I also understand why people on the other side of the other side of the spectrum want to attack that. I get where it comes from. I think where Iro and I f- feel is, and again, I don't want to be a fence sitter. I'm not trying to sound like an enlightened centrist, but it's more, I don't think I'm ready to give my heart to this show yet, just because it yeah. did one thing right. Because it has done enough things wrong that, like, 
I, I, I mean, cannot, it, I cannot, I cannot give my heart to this show yet. It can be difficult to, because sometimes you can agree with a show's message, and I'm not necessarily saying that 86 has a message one way or the other yet. But even then, sometimes you can agree with the show's message, but still think that it is a bad piece of media through other virtues. For example, the way the story is told or the way the story is presented. And so, you know, I'm not going to say that political message is disconnected from critical response, because of course it isn't. You know, everything we do is inherently political. But there is a divide there which sometimes, you know, there's a dichotomy which sometimes some shows are better at dealing with than others. Right. Yeah. Well, we're only three episodes in, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, if nothing it's... else, it's dragging us along for one for another episode. So <sighs> I mean, yes, that's a thing. Like, if nothing else, the fact that this show even elicited elicited this reaction, yeah, in me it is, sounds interesting. Like, at least it's it's more than I would have ever expected from a light novel adaptation. So right. you know, right. <sighs> I don't know. Props to eighty six for being political. I guess <laughs> <laughs> you get the have participation you, you... award. <laughs> G. Are you are you are you holding off on the uh, buying the model kits? Oh no no those model kits are fucking badass dude. I'm okay. buying those immediately. <laughs> your your uh your opinion of the model kits is not going to be swayed oh, no, by no. the politics oh, of the show. Dude, I have bought I have bought Gundams from some very bad shows. I uh, <laughs> you know I that that part that that part it's very easy for me to to. I, I saw to they also made those. a. Uh, I saw they also made a model kit of the Handler Girl. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah, but... I did see that, yes. they. I mean, of course they Wait, were, how right? would they yes. be, like a kit or a figure? I think... Is it a figure? No, no, it, it is a kit. It is a kit. It's huh. a kit. It has, it has interchangeable face. Hey, man, after fucking, the like, super, super Fumina, super, right, yeah. anything right, is right. possible. It, it, it is. I think it is explicitly based off of the Super Fumina-like framework, so... Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Let's move along to shows I'm only watching... Um, I need to shout out once again, Pretty Boy Detective Club. I feel like I did a bad job explaining last time how hard it is to talk about this show. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, after our last podcast, I watched the first episode of this. Okay. I I was just going to say the the presentation has a lot to do with my enjoyment of it, and it's very hard to Mm. get that convey that across with words. So, I just want to say that part of it first um a lot of this show is style and uh you know for some people that's not important for me it's part of the enjoyment of the show um what i will say after that uh so since then there's we've had episode two and three and it's it's kind so the first three episodes are kind of the intro arc of how the main girl ends up joining the pretty boy detective club which we all saw coming because they basically show her dressed up as a boy in the first shot of the first episode. But how we got there was a little bizarre, and I kind of loved it. <laughs> hmm. um, so j- just just to explain, because I, I want to just explain this because I think it kind of gives you the idea of the tone of the show. But uh, in the first episode, the main girl talks about how when she was a little girl, she saw a star in the sky and that inspired her to want to be an astronaut. And that was her dream while she was a kid, is she wanted to be an astronaut. But for various reasons, it was not going to happen because, you know, nobody actually gets to become an astronaut. And her parents told her she had to give up on her dream by the time she hit her 14th birthday, right? So she could not find this star again. She tried to find the star, and she has not been able to find it. And, you know, 
I'm thinking this is just, you know, analogy for, you know, your dream and, you know, chasing your dream and giving up on your dreams and all that. And uh, so she enlists the help of the Pretty Boy Detective Club to find help her find the star. <laughs> okay. So, okay, yep. I'm, so I'm like, all right, so she's probably going to, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm thinking this is not on a literal level or anything here that we're dealing with. And through the course of episode two and three, it's revealed that... Um, <laughs> the, the reason why she couldn't find the star again is because the star was actually a military satellite that got blown up. Oh, clearly, and, of course. And okay. she, Fabulous. she had she had witnessed uh, this military satellite being blown up, and once the Pretty Boy Detective Club found this out, uh, this mysterious organization, probably hired by the government, is now chasing her. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, so she disguises herself as a boy and joins the P- Pretty Boy Detective Club. Maybe the and, real uh, twist will be that that star that that satellite was actually um, a hotel run by an AI. <laughs> yes, and... right. <laughs> and uh, so right, it burned up. Uh... The evil government organization is chasing her for something that literally anybody in the same hemisphere of the planet could have seen. Here's the thing. <laughs> oh wow! So she's actually... like, well, clearly somebody else could have seen this as well. <laughs> okay. And... Okay, and. And uh, the, the the and it turns out no, she's the only one that saw it because she actually has super powered eyes. Oh, oh, mystic um. eyes of satellite perception. And and I realized this whole time, like her design, she she's uh. one. Of, she's an anime girl that literally has stars in her eyes. Okay. Which, oh, and those are real. They're not. And, that's not a stylistic choice. She yes, actually has like. Like she actually has super powered eyes. Oh my god! And because, uh, because yeah, you see an anime girl with stars in her eyes. It's like okay, well that's just another Tuesday for anime, right? Yeah, yeah. right. But uh, yeah, no. So she actually has uh, super powered eyes, and she's the only one that saw it. And then they reveal that the the various members of the Pretty Boy Detective Club also have low level superpowers of some kind. Of course, we haven't seen all of them oh. yet, but they reveal a couple of them. Oh, and. Okay. Uh, you know, I won't, I won't, I won't give all the details of the rest of what happens. But basically, they have to get her out of the the jam of uh, hot anime lady chasing her down, uh, trying to kill her. And uh, at the end, she chooses to to join the the Pretty Boy Detective Club. And so now I'm assuming they're gonna solve other cases or whatever. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of wild things going on. It's very stylish. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, they did reveal the important fourth rule of Pretty Boy Detective Club. Okay. Which, if you recall, rule number one being be pretty, and then number two is uh, be a boy, and then uh, number three, uh, be a detective. And so rule number four was uh, be a team? <laughs> was that teen or team? Team. Okay. Team like teamwork. So yes, they, like teamwork. they're going to show us the real superpower of teamwork. And yes, well, they kind of do that in episode three. Were the friends we made along the way? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, I watched the first episode and I thought it looked amazing and was completely empty. So, like, I have a deep-seated antip- like apathy to Nisioisin's work, and I didn't see anything in that first episode which convinced me that this was any different from his earlier material so i know people are super into that kind of thing and more power to you you know but it's it's not for me i'm afraid yes i have i've come on this podcast knowing that i have no chance of convincing any of you to watch this or enjoy it i mean i but, watched uh, that first episode <laughs> or enjoy it being the caveat but the uh yes 
I uh, I I very much like it. So, uh, moving along, the other show on here that I'm only watching. I didn't think I was going to talk about Super Cub, but I did the, want to mention was this the show that had, was had no dialogue. Almost, it had very little dialogue in the first episode. Yeah, so this is the one with the girl who basically gets her Super Cub motorcycle or. I don't know if it counts as a motorcycle or if it's a scooter. I don't know. I believe it technically but, uh, <laughs> is a motorcycle. Yes. Um, and no, it, I, I, I'm liking it. They they introduced the friend character in episode two, which has livened things up a little bit. And I thought it was kind of nice because I feel like a lot of times with these shows, if you go with like the kind of quiet, shy protagonist, the friend character is like the exact opposite direction. And is going to be like the kind of annoying, super energetic uh, anime girl. And her friend is definitely like a little bit more outgoing and whatnot, but she's still also kind of a motorcycle nerd. And it's still like the show's still chill, but they've managed to bring the energy up a little bit. And it's just like episode three is like them kind of figuring out. It, it captures the feeling of if you if you ever get into like a new hobby. And you start figuring out like all the other little things you need. Oh, so yep. uh-huh. <laughs> you guys know, I'm sure, like you know, I don't know if it's a gun plug or something like that, or Just or you know, easy. it's anything, it's everything, right? right. Any anything articles you read that each have like their own take on like here's the eight things you need to have to right. Like, how am I going to how am I going to build my gunpla if I don't have the exact type of sandpaper? You're not a real right. gunpla builder unless you have this knife or whatever. Exactly. Right. And nipper. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I like I, I I was thinking about like when I got into guitars and like that's a that's a huge black that, hole. Yeah, right? that is <laughs> like a nightmare pit with no bottom. Um, but yeah, no. She so she gets her motorcycle and she starts. She starts driving around. She's like, "Huh, well, I just bought all this stuff, and I don't have anywhere to put anything." So then they have to. Let, she finds like a little box thing to put on the back of her, her, uh, her, her bike, and then she's like, "Oh, the wind keeps getting my eyes. I got to get a new helmet or something." And then she's like, <laughs> "She's getting like different helmets and goggles and things." I know that sounds kind of boring. No, but... I'm actually like that's that, like I that feels like a relatively like fun grounded take on what getting into a hobby is actually like uh, i can right. see the charm in it certainly it, like, it, it like is so very many, charming yes so many of these anime that are about oh girl hapless aimless girl joins a club acts like oh by next week she has bought everything she needs to be a part of the hobby right, like, right. whether it's a sport or an activity it's just like Right, and they're I mean, just instantly good at it. And, yeah, an right. awful lot of these shows are also just, like, vehicles to have, you know, cute girls together in a room. And I'm not saying right. that, like, I'm not necessarily saying that a show has to be specifically about the thing that they're doing the club on and nothing else. But, you know, there, there's a difference between, you know, using the hobby to bring out characters and just using the hobby to put a bunch of girls on screen. Also, right. is this girl? Is this girl like? Is this girl rolling or something? Because like, I feel like getting into motorcycles specifically is a pretty oh, expensive. No. Uh, I, I mean, the Honda, the the supercar is famous for being like the cheapest, most yeah, reliable, no, she, she, most um, bargain basement thing in the universe. So yeah, so she uh, 
she gets a deal on the super. It's like an old used super cub that she gets okay, for. Like, I was about to start literally googling Honda super cub prices yeah. right now to kind of get a feel for what. I mean, what we're I, talking put, about put it here. this way: I'm fairly certain it's the most produced motor vehicle ever. Yeah, I think so. I think that's correct. Yeah, because okay. it's very cheap. Um, and like, so like in episode three, she was looking for like a face guard or a new helmet or something, and she couldn't afford it, so she ends up buying a pair of goggles. Like that's you know, so she's actually sure. supposed to be broke. Um, no, I'll point out also not a club. They're not in a club. It's just two people oh, okay. who like motorcycles. Yeah, I mean, I I think so like, they don't even have that. As that weirdly whole, inconsequential um, as it is, as it seems, I mean, going without that sort of very formula, formal cookie cookie cutter template, I think is a good sign. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a little bit of um, what would I say? Very obvious Honda product placement <laughs> going on, which is, but I, I find that stuff amusing most of the time. You should um, watch Common Rider. Along yeah, until right, it crosses right. over with Bakuan. Yeah. Um, oh no, this is like this is like the polar opposite of Bakuan. <laughs> oh yeah, fuck. I mean, like I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at prices for like the uh. newest, latest model, and like. I gotta be real. It might be cheaper to get into Super Cub than guitars. Like, if I'm gonna be honest, it probably. I mean, it probably is. There's also the yeah. fact that the newest, latest model is basically the same one they made in the fifties. Like, that's part <laughs> right, of the but secret. I'm just, How much is yeah. a Super Cub? Uh, the newest 2021 model is 3,700 USD. That seems pretty. Right. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, like for a motor, motor vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. They are yeah. they are especially prevalent in what you might term the developing world. Like you can't uh, right, uh, you can't yeah, walk a yeah. block in Hong Kong without being hit by one of these things, for example. Right. Yeah, I think I think she bought she buys like an old used one for like a thousand US or something like yeah, that. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, no, it's it's for more than that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a very nice show about. Nice, charming people having fun doing cool. what they're doing. So, oh, that's cool. Sure, I'm enjoying it. Low stakes. All right. We want to talk about another like weirdly like slow paced show here. Yeah, um, let's talk about uh, odd surprise surprise hit of the season, possibly odd taxi. Um, yeah. I I don't know about you guys. I'm starting to like fall off on this, but I I'm not. I thought it was. I'm... I think it's fantastic still. I'm still pretty into it, but I would like to see a payoff on some of the stuff it's been dangling soon. Yeah. I guess is how I'd feel. Like, I think... Mm-hmm. I, I am still enamored with its, like, very mundane approach to just the, the presentation of these people's lives, but also, like, the fun way in which, like, all of these cast members are interconnected in, like, less right. obvious ways. The thing right? that's like, striking to me is the, like, punchiness of the dialogue and how, even though a lot of the conversations are kind of about nothing they are actually in fact about everyone else in the show right yeah like, i i think it, it, it i think a lot of the strength of it is in the mundanity of it you know i think that i think that it makes when there are occasionally actual high high stakes situations even more interesting so like in in the latest episode for example the fact that the baboon 
he put like the baboon has a gun and he pulls a gun on the dude suddenly feels like the most important thing in the world like it feels like the ending of die hard you know even though it is two dudes in a cab and one of them has a gun you know and and like the the meeting at the end between our main dude and and the nurse whose name i temporarily forget unfortunately but because there's just that little bit of emotion and a little bit of affection in it it feels so much more meaningful it feels so much more earned I, I, I kind of don't like that relationship with the nurse thing. I, I, mean, I think there's I, an I'm angle. Definitely hoping, yeah, I, I definitely hope the angle on that develops more because clearly, like, right. So if we were just like summarize the full like scope of like what we know so far, like that nurse is implied to have been smuggling drugs from mm-hmm. her clinic. She has been shown to have been to have met with the baboon prior to. Uh, yep. I, I think that's how literally happens in the first episode. Yeah. So like. You know, you you don't want to just go. For, you you hope it's not just the cliche. Ah, she's like a you know she's a she's a femme fatale with an angle or something. But there's clearly something going on there, right? Like right. it's very difficult to tell if her affection for um, Otokawa uh, is like genuine or like what is the. There's enough going on there that I think I am so like invested in the like overarching mystery of what's going on here. Uh, I think for me. However, I like yeah, like I, I'm not I, I don't I don't want the show to like pop off so to speak, but I I would definitely like to start seeing some payoff on some of the plot threads it's been like gradually building up to at this point. Like I'm definitely like curious about what's going to happen like because like uh, at at the with um um his uh, his monkey friend, right, who's going <laughs> on that Tinder date with the idol. Like Right. What's going on there, right? Like it ends with them going off and then being followed by the idol's manager and some real fucking yakuza looking dude. <laughs> I, I mean, I think there's go- they're going to manufacture an artificial scandal, you right? Know, like, right. That... But clearly, someone like clearly monkey dude thinks he is playing the idol, and clearly she is playing him. But how exactly, we'll have right. to see. And, like, that's clearly meant to be, like, a weird mirror to um, Otokawa's own relationship with the nurse, right? Because they they literally say out loud, like, are you sure you're not getting taken for a ride? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I feel like none of these um, plot threads are interesting enough to me to drag out over many episodes. (laughs) And it it just feels like it, it... I did start to feel like it was dragging a little bit for me by the time I was getting through episode three. Fair. But if they can deliver at least on some of them i'm assuming you know the main plot will probably carry on a bit longer or whatever but i, I, would, I would like to see something happen right I, I i would agree with you jill but uh i also do think that just like at the core of the show though i think the execution of its it's 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 it's, it's very clever it's a very clever show i feel like in a lot of ways like yeah. in, in the way it delivers its dialogue and the in the mannerisms of its characters like i i got a pretty good laugh out of uh, the latest episode where like the monkey is in the in the spa with um uh, fucking the, the, the dragon of dojima himself <laughs> yes. uh kiryu kazuma here now as a tapir as a yakuza, um, <laughs> it's pointing out. Pointing yes, out as, as well. a yakuza, yes, yes. Tapir uh, Oyabun, uh, patriarch of the Tapir <laughs> clan, a dromedary subsidiary or something. <laughs> but um, you know that part where like he's talking about the missing girl, right? And then you know by the end of the conversation, you realize oh, it's the classic like he is talking into his headset, 
and, <laughs> and right, the right, right. Fix. There are two conversations happening here. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's. There's a lot I, of yeah, no, the, like that. To me as well, like I'll say this occasionally about multiple shows, but it's nice to have a show which is about adults doing adult things and having adult problems. Yeah. You know, I mean like so much of anime and look, you know, I know that's inherent to the genre, but so much of anime is about juvenile concerns and like juvenile storylines that it's nice to just have something where like a bunch yeah. of grown ups are doing shit. Right. And like it's like relatively grounded grown-ups, right? Like it's a cab driver. It's a it's a dude in his forties who thinks that he might have like missed the ride on life. You know, it's yeah. it's a it's the it's comedian of... splitting up from his partner and doing like shitty daytime TV gigs <laughs> right, because right. that it's is a, a way of... to get exposure. Exactly. It's 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 really. I think that is the thing that's probably like I think winning a lot of uh, winning a lot of us over. Um, I do want to bring up just because you know we might as well vocalize it here at least once in the podcast just for posterity. Um, I, I assume you guys have all probably crossed paths with somebody who has like vocalized this theory. Um, what is your take on the? They are not actually animal people, and Otokawa is delusional and or like, like straight up just like uh, insane things basically uh, yeah. I, I think that's completely over the top and unnecessary you know i mean my stance has always been that they are real people and the show is just using funny animals oh, no, 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 because no, they're, they're not they're not re- right like the, the theory is not that he's imagining the people it's that yes, the people yes, are real but they're they're not actually animals right and and i'm saying i think that is just unnecessarily the, reductive the... I think the animal thing is just an artifice for the presentation of yeah, the show rather absolutely. than... There doesn't a, need to be an in-universe ra- reason for it. Right. Although, that's, okay. that said, the music video for the opening... Yes, I was literally about to say the music video uh, has... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you, you guys read into the OP too much sometimes, so I don't know. But uh, I, the, uh... <laughs> I would be very disappointed... We're not talking about Dino Xenon yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would be very disappointed if, like... Right. The, the twist is oh he's been crazy all along and actually oh, nothing again, matters. It's it's almost maybe again I, I don't think the theory is necessarily that he's crazy. It's more that like I think a lot of the theory is maybe just something as simple as like you know he is I mean, seeing it, people as animals because in some regards does that almost make it easier to like categorize and put people into like neatly fitting like boxes right like ah you're a you're a hard-ass doctor, you know, so right. you're a gorilla now or something. Right? Uh, I, I don't I don't think we're debating whether they should do that, because I don't think they should, but are they doing that I is the question. I, I, that's more what I was, I was more posing it, just because, again, like, for better or worse, like, you know, I, I don't think it should be the, the primary conversation about this show, but every other place, like, that has discussed this show has has mentioned it so i figured you know i'm sick of fucking everybody looking for trying to describe everything as an in-lord reason all the time always for everything like sometimes they're just 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 let it be animal people yeah (laughs) fucking reason the thing i would say is that like this show is a a character-based drama but it hasn't shown any signs of being something that is like trying to psychologically profile these people or or do anything involving kind of like messing with reality or the mind or anything so if like if that were a thing it would come completely out of nowhere and i think it would feel very 
very out of place. So, yeah. you know, I, I, mean, I, I think, think we all agree that would not be yeah, a great and, But I was going to say, I don't play. like it, and I don't think it will be the case either. All right. Yeah. Uh, hey, just uh, wanted to uh, we'll get, get, get our get our uh, get our predictions on. Get tape the predictions now. out there. Yeah, you know, just yeah. uh, for for posterity's sake. Um, um, I mean, I, I, I like I like the idea of the main character being an unreliable narrator to a certain degree. Because it's like Otakawa clearly has some kind of secrets still yet to be revealed. Here. Right, like, and like they keep mentioning that like dude is like suffering from some sort of insomnia, right? Right. Like, yeah. that's... So something in that direction is fine, but the specific twist of they're all actually real humans, I, I, I don't think. Uh, I, I mean, as I sure as I've not. said to me at least, my perspective is they have always been real humans, and I think that's evidenced by the fact that there are animals in this world, like there are birds and various like animals that exist in fiction so and right. ultimately i don't think it matters you know it's purely right. a presentational thing right all right well now that we have that there we we all will all we can all return to this when in the last episode it switches to a live action uh-huh. segment hell <laughs> yes if it's just live uh, action walruses and bears and monkeys and stuff then i'm absolutely down for that uh, <laughs> all right Let's uh, move along to talk about uh, Godzilla Singular Point, straight out of Netflix hell. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not watching this one either, so I'll have to lean on you guys to bring us up to speed. But ha- have we seen Godzilla yet? I've only seen episode one. Uh, the re- possible remains of Godzilla. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. We have, yes. We have... <laughs> There's, this show is... The show's doing some, it's doing some fun, weird stuff that I'm like growing increasingly like into. It's uh, like as we kind of mentioned like last time we talked about this show, it's it's very much, you know, it's very focused on the humans, but I think in a good way. Um, very much about human society, like trying to reckon with like what is a very clear like violation, yeah. yeah, like a very clear violation of their fundamental reality. Like that is is kind of how the kaiju are presented. Right. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of how do these th- like these things break all of our laws of physics? How is this right. gonna have like what implication does this have on society? Right. Like they, you know it, it is very much about society reacting to a like a, a reality in which like Rodan shows up, but it's not just that Rodan shows up; it's that Rodan breaks the laws of physics. Is that Rodan's very fundamental DNA structure? Right, it's incompatible it is incompatible with not a, Right, like it is not even a DNA-based creature. Like its fundamental, like or like organic molecular building blocks are different from our like our our very realities. And what does that mean for our society going forward? It's right. It's uh, it's fun because it, it kind of gets into almost a like scientific thriller horror aspect of it, right? Yeah. Like it's not just it's not just that the kaiju is scary; it's that what the kaiju represents is like existentially terrifying. Right, right. And Rodan uh, is sorry, Ro- Rodan is not just smashing up our buildings, although he is also smashing up our buildings. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's 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 an interesting. Because you always get, I mean, we kind of talked about this last time, but the, we always get the the first half of the Godzilla movie, which is covering this kind of stuff, right? Obviously, it's usually a, a whole lot more, well, depending on what era of Godzilla you're talking about. <laughs> sometimes it's more campy or whatever, but the, uh, you know, 
you, you get the, the 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 scientists talking about Godzilla for the first half of the movie, and then Godzilla happens, right? Or depending on the movie, maybe later. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I get. I guess it's interesting. So, I mean, you said they found like, is it possible just Godzilla does not exist anymore? Like, that's like what they're so going for. Like, it's like a thing of the past, but or uh, four starts to introduce um, the implications of time travel. Yeah. Uh, not oh, necessarily okay. like, you know, not necessarily capital T, we have a time machine or a portal you can just jump through. But it begins to get into this implication that the very, like, particles that these kaijus are made of is, like, so different from our own dimension. Right, they're, like, four-dimensional like, particles, and that fourth dimension is, is time, so... Right, like, there's a fourth-dimensional property to these particles that these kaiju are made of, and there's this implication that, like, this could not... This might not be the first time it's happened, it will not be the last, and it is in becoming increasingly difficult to tell, like what that actually implies um yeah the the episode the latest episode begins to introduce a little bit more of the government conspiracy angle uh there's a part of that episode where some uh, yet to be introduced government agents are unsealing a very large <laughs> bunker that has been buried very very deep underground and is clearly containing something very very large in it ah. but we do not see what that is um we're beginning to see more kaiju other than Rodan. Uh, right. Hints of them. Hints of them. Not not necessarily, like, what they are. You know, none of them are, like, big recognizable names yet. No Mothras or King Ghidorahs, but, like, clearly uh, their, their world is changing, and it is changing rapidly. And yeah. um, it feels like the other shoe is about to drop very soon. So... Should I put this on uh, on the watch list? <laughs> is it good? Is the important question to me? I mean, I, I I've been I'm enjoying, enjoying it. It. Uh, it. I I guess the thing is like it is you know <laughs> a Dance. little bit like Odd Taxi actually. It's very um, slow burn. Yes, yes, yeah. Like a lot of you know, it's a lot of like scientists and scientist adjacent people like talking techno babble for like five minutes straight. You know, and it's yeah. like. Hmm. Your, your tolerance of that may vary. Uh, I think that it's they, they have done a good job of like justifying that it's all like a means to an end, but right, you know. yeah. I mean, I do like the concept of like the slow creeping horror aspect of it, right? Like, yeah, at some point this is going to go down, right? But, and uh... there's there's definitely like a fun contrast because like some of the characters are like right because some of these characters are getting into the like oh my god, what does this mean for our reality? And then other characters are like, oh my god, I we need, I need to build a bigger we, robot. Yeah, we need to power up Jet Jaguar. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> like, like, there's the high level, like, oh god, what is it, like, existential horror? But then there's these sort of, like, lower, more grounded, just like, who the fuck cares what it's made out of? It's tearing the city apart. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, it's it's... It's been pretty good. I'm I'm definitely into it. I I definitely like want to see, uh, what the payoff on this one is. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe maybe I'll try and uh, catch that at some point here during the season when I have some spare time. Ha <laughs> ha. Um. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, 
let's I probably should have paired that up with Dinazenon, but we'll do that Maybe. next time. <laughs> let's, let's talk about uh, Megalobox. Right. Meanwhile, at the here. very other end of the spectrum, yeah. the most grounded you could possibly get. <laughs> you know, the most grounded <laughs> anime with robotic boxing arms. Yes. Yeah, but it's it is it is the manga yes, with robotic yes. boxing arms that is also about like an immigrant refugee crisis <laughs> and <laughs> right. So how has that been going since we last uh, talked about it? They, I mean, I've been a boxing to save save the uh, the town or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's been good. Um, if you know a little predictable yes. but it's been it's been well done uh, so uh, are they are they currently like in a tournament or something or it was heck. what was it uh chief yeah chief. heck i mean heck chief finished the tournament uh-huh. we're good now <laughs> oh, okay yep. but uh chief uh, he... yeah. fought for to save the immigrant camp and <laughs> punched a bunch of guys in the ring and despite and the punched. evil shady yakuza's yes. attempts to like interfere with the match outside yes. of the you know Interfere with his life outside the match, Chief and his 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 grit and you know win the day yeah. and he saves the the community, and you know yeah and describing it all like that probably makes it sound pretty like <laughs> uh pretty uh pretty uh predictable and cliche but I think I think the execution of it is is again where Megalobox really shines like it continues to do a really good job of like again like these are very familiar motivations very familiar struggles mm-hmm. but megalobox portrays them with such a like with such an authentic grit to them like you know just like what these characters are going through what these characters are enduring you know for whatever it is they're fighting for like i don't know it just it just it always feels real it always feels like really like relatable and and personable in in the way that megalobox has always been like very good at I mean, I think... Uh, oh, sorry, go on, Joe. Uh, you, no, you can go, sir. I, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, I think when we previewed this, we didn't have many doubts about that the moment-to-moment stuff would be good because, of course, it is all the returning crew, you know, and they've proven that they can produce great atmosphere and great sort of, as I said, moment-to-moment action. I think my big question, at least, was, is there, you know, is there a reason for this to happen? Is there still a story to be told? So how is it looking on sort of that front, on the large scale plot fun. I think I think honestly we are in a bit of a limbo right now because right. I'll put it this way. We have just finished the opening act of Joe's um comeback. Comeback. <laughs> comeback. Yes. Like the whole point of like the chief arc so to speak is that again, Joe doesn't do any of the fighting. Joe serves purely as coach uh, chief's coach right. and second yeah. in the ring. So like Joe's mo- Joe's development so far has more been like from the supporting angle of like what is it like to write to raise someone else up to be a great fighter? What is it like to like be here on the sidelines watching someone else get brutalized for you know sport and entertainment? Um, <laughs> and so like you know thank you know Chief wins saves the rec center, but then you know spoilers uh the last round the last fight of the tournament was a very dirty round right the 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 boxer he fights is in the pocket of the yakuza you know the very like ultra nationalist um right immigrants you know, get yakuza. out stop stealing our jobs right right and so the the boxer that chief fights fights very dirty goes for a lot of punches to the back of the head purposely targets chief's neck and head you know right 
And so it turns out that, like, uh, Chief wins the match, but he passes away in his sleep um, afterwards uh, from being punched you know, all in the, the back of the head. Yeah, it turns times, out being punched yeah. repeatedly in the back of the head by a dirty boxer being, you know, officiated by a dirty ref is bad for your health. Yeah, especially if um, the dirty boxer is being cybernetically enhanced as well. Yes, with robot arms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, but but the, the thing I like about it is that they, they are not implying that Joe's going to go out for revenge, right? right? Like, the implication is not that, ah, oh, Joe's going to set off to get revenge for Chief. It's more like, it is much more the melancholy, like, fuck you know chief knew the risks like he's yep. a megaloboxer like you you play you play this game you know you know where it can go right right and so like there's that there's that melancholy aspect of it but like i'm glad they're not going down the, the, also, the road of like but I, also chief retaught joe the value of you know right is the implication he's, in. is the implication that he's going to step into the ring himself again then more like well, it, it taught him to like he needs to go back and confront the that past. which he ran from. Yes. Like, right, right. right. Gotcha. The, the implication is more, yeah, it's not necessarily that Joe, I mean, look, it's a manga about boxing, so Joe will get into the ring again. Eventually, But yes. right now, the, the bigger conflict, which I think is more interesting, is more that, yes, Joe will need to, he will need to reconcile with the people that um, he definitely left under very, like, tenuous circumstances. And, you know, that might not mean forgiveness, but it is his responsibility to at least you know, uh, meet those people again, right? Own up in one way or another. And right. He doesn't necessarily so, have. He doesn't necessarily know what he has to do, but he has to do something. Exactly. And so for me, that's when you leave on it on that note. I'm like, yeah, okay, you got that, me. That you sounds compelling. You know, that sounds like <laughs> a. That sounds but, like the kind of thing I want to see where it goes. Yeah, that that is the, that is the thing though. Yes, it is it is a little hard to tell like necessarily what this all means in the long run, but in the moment to moment, you know, it still got me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think uh, you know, with sequels finding a new story to tell, a different story to tell and re- rather than just rehashing what happened in the first season is a good thing. Yeah. Also there's the implication that because uh they they give Chiefs gear which is explicitly said to be a high defense gear to joe as he leaves and so the implication is that he may ditch the uh, gearless joe these like inherently self-destructive like angry gearless joe moniker <laughs> right right like Character in a weird ways like in a weird ways donning you know, it's almost it's almost fantasy esque, right? Him donning the armor of a fallen comrade will, in a ways, reinvent him as a character. And right. <laughs> I, I think also though that you know perhaps if he does put the gear on, I think that will, you know, I think that would be a sober reflection of an older, wiser, perhaps more physically damaged Joe as well. Right. You know, I mean, I I think that having him put on the gear would be a good realization that like you know your ideals can't shield you like they once did sometimes you just gotta right. put your head down and get the dirty work done yeah all right it sounds like they've well, struck a really interesting tone for it yeah yeah for sure sounds pretty good um all right let's close out it's on for the big one <laughs> with uh i've, I've moved dinazine on to our anchor spot here uh but uh <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, hot take. Um, I'm kind of liking this better than Gridman so far. <laughs> you know what? I I'm not. I, I don't necessarily agree with you, Jill, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I, from, from I, I also I, see I, where you're coming from. I I think I need to see a little bit more before. I yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to declare it better than it, Gridman, it but so far more of an like ensemble character drama than Gridman, which was that is definitely what's working look, for me. Yeah. a little closer to yeah. like a normal Toku show, right? Because like. Yeah. Look, we all love Gridman, but like if you actually go back to Gridman, it's like the main cast is like. You <laughs> know, they're, they're, I I I, yeah. I think they are interesting they characters. They're they're Akane the... and Rika like fucking save that fucking show. Like let's be real, like Akane and Rika's like relationship in the original Gridman mm. is like the real emotional heart. Yeah, of it. absolutely. And, like, right. Yuta might as well not even. Exist. No, I I don't <laughs> think that's true. I think that Yuta is important because he. He is the audience surrogate of being slightly lost in a world that he doesn't fully understand. Like he he plays the same role that Shinji does in Evangelion, you know, in that sure, he, he right, grounds yes, yes. the drama in a way that makes it more well, interesting for the viewer. I think I think the the original Gridman and probably intentionally so the characters are more direct mirrors to your typical Saturday morning. Right, Kid absolutely. Show yes, type characters. I mean, whereas... they are specifically mirrors of the characters from Gridman, the right. Hyper Asian. Right, like I said, intentionally. And the whereas Dinah Xenon feels like a more varied and to me interesting ensemble type cast that I like a lot more. They're they're definitely putting in more work into the character, the the ensemble cast element of Dinah Xenon this time. Around. It feels like right. Trigger are spreading their wings a bit on this one. You know, they're flying a little bit more freely. Right. And um, yeah, I think I think that's been a big benefit to the show. Um, we're at, we I mean we're still kind of in the same format of at least for now, kind of monster of the week type of things as we meet the various uh, kaiju eugenicists yeah. here, and with kind <laughs> with a kind of sort of vague overstory which hasn't really coalesced yet. I mean, we are we are now settling into the episodes four through eight section of an anime like this, right? Where it's like the first three episodes helped set up the characters, it helped set up the stakes, you know, and the motivations, and now we are sort of like not like filler, but like we I think we are beginning to approach the part where like it's more like these episodes exist so that we have more time spent with the characters to right. like, get a better feel for their interior. Yeah. Like I, I I've I've really been digging like um. I guess I'm not sure if it's, like, development, but, like, maybe it's more of the reveals about, like, the multifaceted nature of uh, of Yume. Um, yeah, you know, I, like, I mean... I... She initially comes off as very standoffish, but, like, as the episodes, like, go and we see more of who she is, like, we... Like... She again, actually like, has, I... like, different moods and things, she, like a real person. She's clearly a very damaged person, right. you know. Probably, right. like, not like... That... Yeah. But not damaging like the like an well, I mean she's an anime character, but not damaging <laughs> the like ah like I'm damaged twenty four seven, right? Like we see her hanging out with her friend. Right. The I one feel like those scenes are like... very important, even though yeah, we have no idea I... who the other <laughs> girl is really. Yeah, like, I, I, I mean I think let me clarify, I think she is damaged in the way that real people tend to be damaged, exactly. which is like... you know, they there is something wrong deep underneath, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, 100% incoherent or incapable or anything right. like that, you know. They lead normal lives, they just have deeper issues. Yeah, like, you know, the part where she's like, 
you know, uh, being cheeky and talking about how she took a Dinah glider to, yes, to school because she good. was going to be late or whatever. Yeah. It's it's very good, right? Yeah, There's like yeah. those moments where it's just like, yeah, okay, like. <laughs> I I think these are. I think um, and I think this was a strength of Gridman as well is that, um, the show gets great strength out of mundanity. You know, I I think that so for example, when uh, Yume agrees to meet up with her sister's old uh, choir uh, colleague, yeah. and you're expecting some sort of game-changing, shattering revelation, but no, you know, it's just it's a meeting, and you know, the old friend says, "Oh, she was nice," you know, but there's not really anything I can tell you that you don't already right. know. Right? Like, there's 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 like a great moment where it's like, yeah, it's like. <sighs> You know, like if you like if someone came up to me and was like, "Hey, man, like, can you tell me like what you knew about like a classmate from five right. years ago?" Yeah. I'd be like, "They seemed all right." Yeah, I'd be happy yeah. to, you know, yeah, I, like I'd be happy to tell you what I can remember. Yeah. But right. it's like, I think in... we were classmates, right? And like that was like a long time, well, a relatively like decent right. amount of time ago. Like, what, what, what do you think I could actually remember? And like, there like, are you... thirty kids in a class, you know. Like, yeah. at some yeah, point, you're only it's... really going to know one or two of them that well, right? And and so. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does a good job with that, you know. And e- even with like, yeah, even like with the more like outlandish characters, right? Like Galma is just working a bunch of part-time jobs yeah. because, hey, guess what? At the end of the day, <laughs> he's eating that bucket of crabs. Even, all right, even uh, even five thousand year old mummies need to uh, need yeah. to afford rent or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I wrote about this uh, in my piece, which you can read on the blog. But I also think it's mm-hmm. clever how the show is gradually sort of weaving the various strands together. So you have. Yomogi who wants to work and his manager who like loves digging into his personal life but his ma- his manager is an old classmate of Koyomi's who doesn't know mm-hmm. that he's now a neat and so he has to you know try and work out how to reconnect with her while hiding his shame so to speak and that affects Chisei right. who desperately wants to pilot Gridmat uh Dinazenon and so on and so forth you know like right. it's very good at making those little connections work together I will say I was pleasantly surprised when Chisei actually did and was allowed to pilot a Dina soldier in the and latest then sucked. episode I mean, she sucked at it, but in the same way that Yomogi yes. sucked at it, right? Um, like, and it's more the implication that, because like, you know, I feel like so many mecha anime do the thing of like, ah, it's gene locked, you yeah. know, like only the chosen one can pilot. But it's like, nah, anybody with the controls can I, like jump into Dinosaur. I will say that Yomogi's <laughs> initial attempts to pilot Dinosaur Soldier are one of the funniest gags I've seen in a oh, while, yeah. where it's just like yeah, trying to turn good. its arms up and down and, and you, stuff you, like that. Yes. Galma being like, wait, anyone can do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hang yeah. on. Yeah. That's and, and that's actually, that's adding support to my yeah. theory that she's going to replace uh, Gama after he dies after Maybe. episode well, six. Because that's the thing. With, <laughs> the interesting with Chisei now is like the open again. You're right. Maybe we look too deeply into the opening, but like the opening, like and and her picking up one of the the kaiju pearls. I think we were also ready to buy into the like. Oh, is she going to be like the auntie of like this uh, this anime, right? Like, is she going to get like briefly tempted by the dark powers of the kaiju? But right. clearly, she can pilot a robot. So like, <laughs> so the kaiju aren't even that dark at this point, like... right? Yeah, and like, that's actually the only thing I want to get into. Just, that like, I a think weird that's, job for the that's kaiju really Genesis. interesting about Dina Xenon is like, Gridman was like so, um, Gridman was so clearly like 
the, the shots were being called by Akane, right? She summoned the kaiju, she controls them, right? And like behind, she is, she is, and behind her is Alexis Kerib, who is the real bad guy. Right, that was like, never, there, you know, there's a very strict hierarchy of evil there. Right. Or, or more than that, there's a very strict, like, uh, source of the yes. conflict in, in Gridman. Yeah. Whereas in Dino Xenon, like, the kaiju eugenicists make it clear they can't make kaiju... Heck, they might not even—they might not even know where the kaiju. And then all we got, right? all we got like, is the hand in episode one, like, tossing the right stuff, yeah. the the pearls, and, or and so there's like, some. You hint- literally have shots of the. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, there's been a bit of hinting that, like, perhaps the creation of kaiju is is intrinsic to whatever this existence is as well. Yeah. You know, like, and on that note, I will point out that, like, even though this show is supposedly set in the quote-unquote real world we're seeing a lot of locations reused from gridman like so many oh, that yes, it is it has to be just deliberate. just like right. the lighting and textures are changed yeah. to be right as grimier <laughs> yeah. as i i mentioned this i think a little while back after watching one of these episodes but i was like is is reusing the backgrounds uh, from Gridman and Dino Xenon, is this just the, like, art house equivalent of, like, when Amaishi obviously cuts corners for comedy? Like, it's just the more, like, subtle, artsier version of that? Yeah, I, I think that they've done it enough now that it's not the case. And also, like, in certain cases... Well, no, but, but what I mean is that thematically, it is very much, like... You're not meant to be fooled, right? Yeah. Like when I say that Amaishi cuts corners for comedy, and Amamiya is reusing backgrounds uh, from Gridman, is that it's clearly meant to be intentional, right? But they are managing to do it in a way that feels good rather than right. cheap. Yes, but I, the thing like, is, I don't like we know we're doing it. You know we're doing it. I don't it. think it even feels cheap exactly. because, for like in a lot of cases, they're they're using like completely new compositions and stuff like that. So I think. You know, it, it's. I think the question is: Are they doing this to deliberately hint at a connection, or is it just to establish tone? You know, and the answer is we'll find out. But I, I, I think yes. I, I think that they've. You know, there's a good mix in the current run of episodes of mundanity to learn the characters, mystery to move forward the overplot, and the fights, which are great. Yeah, right. I, I definitely, yeah, I'm definitely like. I mean, it's funny. I think we've said this like multiple times this podcast, but. I'm definitely curious about when uh, Dino Xenon's gonna, like, when the other shoe's gonna drop, right? Because, you know, as I mentioned, right, the kaiju eugenicists are not, I mean, they're the antagonists, but they're clearly not the, um, they're not calling the shots here, right? They're I mean, not the big bads. We, right. Like, we have we have scenes of them literally just, like, hanging out in cafes waiting for a kaiju to show yeah. up. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> appealingly down-to-earth in that sense. Yeah. You know, I think, so, uh, as well, like, presentation-wise, I will just say that because Dinozenon is inherently a thing which is less human than Gridman was, even in its human form, it is closer to being mm-hmm. a mech than anything else. Um, the the fights here are perhaps more kinetic because they are less directly inspired by the Toku they are based on. There's some there's some fun shots, man. Yeah. Like that fucking like that fucking like spinning kick while shooting the missiles out of the shins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But all the missiles miss. <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, yeah. I, I got a real laugh out of that one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a really good show, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. Nah, it's yep. it's Dinazenon. I'm glad I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're here with Dinazenon like this. Like yeah. I think yeah. before it aired, I think we were all like not worried, but we were all definitely like can can trigger like can they do it again? 
can they do it again yeah Yeah, i mean i think i think there's always a risk you know i mean even even when you do do what they did and assemble the same production team you know and the same writers and stuff like that you know sometimes even skilled people make mistakes you know and and sometimes they just can't make the lightning strike twice but so far at least i think they've done a great job of telling a new story but recapturing a lot of the things we liked about that original show yeah right yeah, it feels like a sequel to Gridman, but while also being its own Absolutely. thing. Um, All right. So one last shout out. Um, I will continue. I, I, I'm sure when he gets his arc to develop, maybe he, he'll change things up a little bit. But I can I, I continue to get a, a a deep deep enjoyment from every episode when the kaiju shows up and they're all fighting separately and koyomi's strategy consistently every single episode is just to drive the fucking car head first into the kaiju <laughs> while just dumping the clip out of the finger guns and that's all he does every single time uh, I, I would also like to shout out in the latest episode chisei playing a game using a neg con which clearly oh indicates this show is set in like 1996 or something like that yeah <laughs> i mean if if you have a if you have a car as your thing what else are you going to do other than you know then ram it <laughs> yeah. he's working with what he's got uh indeed <laughs> all right good times uh, that show is pretty good um and uh you know that's going to do it for this episode we'll uh do our bit of housekeeping here uh zig already mentioned he is writing about dinazenon so you can check that out at the gloriablog.com along with whatever else we may end up posting in the next couple weeks as i noted on twitter uh, i've gone from writing about sad teens to writing about sad teens but this time with robots sad teens (laughs) with robots right um yeah and and check out you know all the first looks that we did for this season including some of the many of them that we did not mention here um uh, even some of the new shows that came out since our last episode so you know you can go back and check those out uh you can follow us on twitter at the Glorio blog, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and uh, you can also check us out on YouTube. You know, like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll catch everybody next time. <laughs>